one one what's happening yo what's up it's bad bad conversations chick chat goof off chain wag Welcome to Bat Bad Conversation and this is a special episode. This is a Christmas episode and uh, I'm your host Akik and we have another host. Uh, this is Scott. And ase duche meman, duche meman ase and afna nakita. I'm Alice. Oh, very good. And your name? Hi, I'm Simon. So, yes, yeah, so we've got a Christmas episode and we hope you enjoy this episode. And um, yeah, just by the way, um, it's a Christmas episode. I wonder what the weather is like outside as you listen to this Christmas episode. But we're in summer and bara zoto gorom and tura megasil. So there's some flooding. Where do we have some floods? Um, I haven't read. Sorry. Yeah, no. Not- Nottingham. Okay. Uh, flooding and North also. North of England, mate. Yeah, North of England and Yorkshire. West, uh, um, West of England as well. Yeah, and Yorkshire is declared drought. So it's a complex weather system. Okay, so yes, we are ready for Christmas. Um, How do you prepare for Christmas? Kita horo Christmas olagi. Yeah, so we're going to start off with the episode with a film, a Christmas film, and we're going to talk about Matmu and we're going to link some parallels to another topic about a Bible passage, a parable that Jesus said. So yeah, let's talk about this film. Scott, uh, what's this film? So the film was Home Alone, the classic with uh, Kevin McAllister being uh, left on his own in his home during Christmas time. Yes, so that film came out in 1990. So uh, do you have any relationships with that film, Scott? Um, I remember uh, as a kid seeing it. Well, I guess not a kid. I was early teens. And I thought it was hilarious. Um, I later showed my children when they were about 10 or 11, and my daughter was appalled at how he treated the thieves. I couldn't believe that he was so mean to them, and I, I just thought it was a funny thing. Uh, but yeah, it's a fun fun film. has a has some kind of tender moments in between the, the silliness of it. And yeah, I've always enjoyed it. Okay, just give me one favorite scene. Do you have a favorite scene? Uh, as a kid, my favorite thing was was when he put the spider on the guy. Ah! Yeah. So for me, Home Alone is a definitely uh, it's a Christmas film. Christmas film. Um, the reason why I would say it's a Christmas film is um, every year, Forty Bosor, there's a TV guide that comes out, and that TV guide is do you have to last for two weeks, and on that uh, TV guide for two weeks Christmas TV Guide special the picture of that Father Christmas it's like the Coca-Cola Father Christmas mm. and uh, every year Foti Bosor Okta magazine Annie we get this magazine and as a family we get a pen or highlighter and we highlight the films that we want to watch mm. and we highlight so there's not Dorbar there's no arguments I want to watch this or that but when it came to Home Alone there was no arguments we all want to watch it. It's like, we want to watch Home Alone. We, all, we agree. It's good. It's fun. It's Christmas. It's, it appeals uh, to older and younger. Now, just on that thought, Simon, you've just hit a thought on that, is my mum, she couldn't speak English. I mean, literally. 
Really? And the, the film that she liked was Terminator 2. <laughs> but we're not going to go to Terminator 2 today. But she also liked um, Home Alone. She could understand the actions or movements or the problems within the family. So, yeah, so it appealed uh, at least to my mum, who's older. The older people liked it, and also for myself. So it's a definitely a Christmas film. Uh, Simon, have you seen that film? Or? I've seen some um, some bits of it. I mean, I saw it uh, when I was a kid and um, or, or a long time ago at least. And uh, But memory... Memor- my memory of it is not so not so great. I mean, I've saw, I've saw a few clips just um, just recently, mm. and uh, that was bringing back memories. But um, yeah, I mean, actually, there's quite a, a strong uh, narrative in it in, of all of all different kinds. There's layers to the to the film I hadn't picked up on and, until I've just unless someone points it out. Exactly. We're looking for it. Yes. Exactly. Um, we'll come on to those thoughts again. Um, just before, I just want to share my favourite scene of the film it's the mother uh, I don't know if you remember the mother um, uh, she, basically she's just remembered that she's forgotten her son and basically she's absolutely going berserk she's absolutely upset she faints and she's beside herself but my favourite scene is when she's at the counter in the airport 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 I say and she's talking to the lady and she's so upset and she's so angry she's beside herself and I thought to myself I think to myself that acting is realistic mm-hmm. if you've lost your son or she is absolutely literally so upset and distraught. You feel her distresses. Yes, it comes up. Even though she's acting, she knocked it out of the park. So the screenwriter um, did a full toss and she responds by hitting a six. She is in the zone and I'm sad that Hollywood hasn't used her. So basically, she's absolutely distraught. And one of my favourite scenes, again, within the airport is she is absolutely begging. There's a begging moment mm-hmm. where she begs a couple... I'll give you my ring, I'll give you my watch, I'll give you my, everything, just get me on the plane. And that really came across of like, this is a seriously good actor. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's yeah, almost, she says, she says, I'm asking as a mother, I need your mother, help me. Yeah, it yeah, really is moving. Strong. And there's other moving parts. Yeah. So yeah, Simon, you mentioned, um, this, sorry, you're going to say something. You know, well, your mum your mom was able to appreciate it, even though she wasn't speaking the language. There's a sort of a, a visual... Language that um, the acting is is conveying, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So it's 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 relatable. It's 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 not uh, difficult to understand, even not understanding English. Yeah. So uh, we were talking about the parallel. So let's talk about uh, the dysfunctionality. Uh, what 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 can we see in the dysfunction? Or what what are the similar scenes? Well, like the whole beginning part is. Uh... Kevin, Kevin's not entirely a, a pleasant child, but he also, everybody around him has treated him very um, um, condescending, calling him um, incapable of anything and not really being helpful either. So, I mean, amongst all the children that were running around the house at that time, um, you don't see any of them like being kind to each other. So, the Borobai Tarnam Buzz. He is really yeah, like 
Um, no kind words at all for him for the entire first chunk where he's still in the house with them. Yeah, nothing at all. And even even later on when he's in France and Kevin's still back in the U.S. and um, he's talking about why he doesn't care what happens to his brother. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of sad. Um, but yeah. Mm. So there's one scene, isn't there, where um, he uh, he pushes his brother, and and actually his brother's been taunting him for you know a good long good long while, and then he retaliates. Kevin retaliates, and then. Um, and then it sets off, it triggers a whole spate of, of, of disruptive events and uh, and then and everyone's annoyed with, with Kevin as a result. And it's as though there's an unfairness in that, it mm-hmm. would seem, you know, that he's, uh, you know, he's unjustly uh, blamed for, mm-hmm. for the whole thing. But actually there's a bigger dysfunction amongst the family and, but the, he's, he's the sort of scapegoat, I don't know if that's the right mm, yeah. term, but he's the one that they all blame for, for the for the all the all the issues that, that, that um they're dealing with with such a big family. Mm. Let's look at another subject within the film, separation. So there's a point of separation. So Kitahore, what does he do in, in his separation? What is he Kitahore is a blast separation? It's a it's interesting um like the first, the first day that he's all by himself, he celebrates. He's running around, jumping up on the bed and eating three piles high of ice cream, just loving it. And then by the, the end of, I think, the second day even, he's like, actually, I didn't want to not have my family around. And he, he realizes the magnitude of what it feels like to be alone. And it's not, it's not all fun and games for him anymore. So it's, it's coming to realization. It's coming to his senses. Uh, it it seems to me that you could say that, like he's he's realizing that maybe he did care about his family more than he thought. Yeah. And uh, another point uh, in the film, I just want to discuss. There is a scene. He's in church and he's having a conversation. Even though he's in a broken Bangagor in a broken home, he's having a conversation with someone called Marley. Can anyone share anything on that? Well, Marley is uh, the um, kind of ominous-looking old neighbor that Buzz has told a story about him being a, um, like a killer. Um, but over time, they run into each other enough, and as they're sitting in the church, the Marley, Marley character says that he's watching a grandchild up in the choir, but he never gets to talk to talk to her because um, he and his he and his son um, had had an argument and they don't talk anymore. And as Kevin and Marley are talking, Kevin basically says, out of his out of his realization of not being with his family, um, he's he's saying, you know, you should go talk to him. You know, the worst thing that happens is he doesn't want to talk to you anymore. But think about the good things that can happen if you if you talk with them and things change and the Christmas time is the best time to do it because it's, it's easier in holidays for everybody. Yeah. So there is like an advice of mm-hmm. fix things, of putting things together. And uh, I just want to uh, go on two more things on the film. Is, um, at the end, almost to the end, um, there is a point of coming back together. Is just any thoughts on how you felt when that that time always gets me. But I want your thought, how your feelings like 
how do you feel when you see that when the son and the mother come back together and how do you feel what comes to your thoughts I thought um, even as a kid I thought that maybe um, the mother um, not um, running to Kevin right away was strange like she'd been waiting the whole time to see him but as I've gotten older and thought about it through like um, she actually, as I, as I watched it more recently on her face, you got the question of, is he, is he mad at me? Because I mean, she as a parent has forgotten this child and, um, maybe she wasn't quite ready for it, but, but she, she had been working the whole time trying to get back. And when she's there, she's, she wants to embrace him, but she's not sure how he's going to respond. Um, and it's, it's really sweet when he smiles and they embrace each other. Yeah. That that moment always gets me because it gets me uh, emotional. It gets me almost teary. Even though I've watched it many times, that connection, the mother says sorry, mm. hug, the music, the reconciliation, uh, the coming together. That's a big word, heavy loaded word. Can anyone give me a definition of the words reconciliation? The reckon, to be reconciled, to be uh, brought back together again. To be, um, I guess, it, 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 there's a, something about um, uh, there being a split in some way, um, and, and um, how that how that can be. And it seems that um, this was a a significant split, wasn't it, between the mum and the son, mum and her son, and uh, the reconciliation, the, the the pinnacle of the film, isn't it? It's that moment. The whole build up is 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 mum coming back together with her with her little boy and. Uh, yeah, it's very moving, isn't it? Sort of seeing them be reconciled, reconnecting, and um, there is that, that, and there's that pause, like you you were saying, Scott, of between the mum is is um, Kevin gonna accept me or reject me, and um, you know it's quite uh, it's um yeah you can sort of feel the way that they they've uh, built that drama and that narrative to sort of. Uh, um, I can't think of the word, what is it to sort of exacerbate, to make that the high point of the, of the film. And pulling the, the, the theme of reconciliation home, there's, there's another point of reconciliation is right at the end when we see uh, Marley. Mm. Um, yeah, as Kevin's looking out the window, he sees um, Marley with um, um, presumably the, the son and his wife and then the little granddaughter who gives him a hug. And as Marley's like standing up holding this girl, um, he looks over in the window and sees Kevin, and there's a like a recognition there of what's going on. But you you see that 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 broken relationship has also been reconciled. But for me, the reconciliation is the idea of of something that has gone wrong has now been made right, and so they can come together and like it's a it's a correct relationship again. It's not shattered or, or fractured in any way. It's initiated by by the little boy, isn't it? So it come comes from the it's the isn't it? Is it the the advice of the of the kid which has um, mm-hmm. enabled this this reconciliation? So it's kind of um, it's a curious thing, isn't it? Because he's just a he's just a he's just a boy, but uh, at the same time he's capable of being an adult and has had to sort of be very grown up in 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 the um, in the absence of his parents. Yes, thank you very much. So thank you. Yeah, so we've 
we've come to the end of Home Alone, but we're going to carry on with the themes that we have talked about in Home Alone. And I'm the only Matt who is the kitchen. I'm the only kitchen formal, but uh, we'll be looking at uh, the prodigal son, and Alice will be reading it. But it's called the prodigal son. Just before we read it, um, when you hear the word, uh, the phrase, the prodigal son, uh, or when you hear it in conversation, um, what comes to mind or how do you relate to it? Other than scripture, how do you approach it? Has there been any approaches? Um, for me, um, you see this, uh, I like to watch a lot of different films and there's there's films where there's some character that has gone off and acted crazy or wild and almost all the time when they return to wherever they're supposed to be um someone will make the phrase oh the prodigal son returns and it gives the idea pretty similar to the story from scripture that there's just a someone who lives excessively and um then has to give that up and come come home in some way or another. Um, so for me, prodigal always meant returning from from wild living. Um, yeah. Anyone else? Any other thoughts? Yeah, and I guess I guess pretty similar. I mean, it's that whole thing of like extravagance in terms of like yeah, someone's like behaviour is like maybe extravagantly bad, but then just incredible extravagancy extravagant like forgiveness as well when when he when when he comes back I and mean, I guess that's going more into the into the biblical sorry but mm-hmm. but yeah I guess a similar kind of a similar thought of someone who's yeah he's gone off who's like um gone off the rails to an extent but then but then come back being accepted back and uh, we'll we'll explore after the reading So Jesus went on to say, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger one said to him, Father, give me my share of the property now. So the man divided his property between his two sons. After a few days, the younger son sold his part of the property and left home with the money. He went to a country far away where he wasted his money in reckless living. He spent everything he had. Then a severe famine spread over that country and he was left without a thing. So he went to work with one of the citizens of that country who sent him out to his farm to take care of the pigs. He wished he could fill himself with the pods the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything to eat. At last he came to his senses and said, all my father's hired workers have more than they can eat, and here I am about to starve. I will get up and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I'm no longer fit to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired workers. So he got up and started back to his father. He was still a long way from home when his father saw him. His heart was filled with pity and he ran, threw his arms around his son and kissed him. Father, the son said, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. But the father called his servants. Hurry, he said. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. 
then go and get the prize calf and kill it, and let us celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. And so the feasting began. Donnabad, uh, I want to give the question of um, what is the, well, do you happen to have any first memories of this parable when you read it for the very first time? So I'm asking to dig deep here. Uh, do you guys have anything in that respect? Because I do, because I've got a story. But I would lo- love to hear from you guys. I mean, the first time that I read it was, I guess, was when I was a really young child and actually just remember just feeling how unfair it was because, um, like, feeling, um, which we didn't really get on to the next bit, <laughs> but about the, about the elder son, how, like, how come, like, feeling, yeah, how come he didn't get the, fe- the feast? <laughs> so I remember actually thinking that and, like, understanding, like, you know, he was doing, he was being perfectly good and yet, he didn't get anything, so that was actually my. That's actually the very first thing that I remember. Um, yeah, I can relate to that, but I will share more. Anyone else? For me, um, I I don't know if it was the first time I read it, but when I was in um, junior high, I remember I'd I'd always lived in a, a Christian home, and I was never. Um, never incredibly excessive in my disobedience to God, but I, I wasn't really living for him at all. I was just kind of church was something that I did. And so when I read the story and thought about, um, you know, how do I fit into the story? I was always, I was always a prodigal son who just kind of wanted to do what I wanted to do. And the challenge was always, you know, am I actually wanting to be with my father kind of idea. Yeah, so, yeah, thank you, Scott. I don't know that. But, um, yeah, as I was a little bit I mean, Shaman Ali Salakhan, similar that I thought this is really ridiculously unfair and the father is being unreasonable, mm. uh, face value. Mm. Like, he's gone off the rails, partying, did what he did, but the party is for him. And, um, um, the the older son is like being mistreated in that sense. And for those those who don't know this full story, so after the party starts, the older son decided to he he came back from from working out in the fields, and he's like, "What's going on?" And um, the servants told him, and he got mad, and his father comes out to him and says, uh, "Why are you upset?" and as you guys were talking about, it's this isn't fair. I've been here the whole time. Why, why don't I even get a small, small party? And the father says, you know, I, I love you and I'm with you always. And um, I had to celebrate because my son was lost and now he's back. Um, so yeah, I, that the juxtaposition of one who's gone completely away from his father, but you also have the son who has not really interacted with his father either. Um, he's just been dutiful. So, so there's an issue with two sons, right? Mm-hmm. Both of them, both of them are trying to define their relationship with their father, rather than letting the father do that for them. So, uh, could we mm-hmm. retitle it? So, for example, some Bible say the parable of the lost son. Mm-hmm. Could we say parable of the lost sons? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually heard. Um, 
not too long ago, someone who called it the rebellious sons, sons, plural. Yes. Saying yeah. Both of them, one looked like they were following, one looked like they weren't, but both of them were not. So, so how long taki like dysfunctional? So, and the whole thing about, are there any clues that dysfunctionality in here? Anything that sticks out? One, th- one thing, um, just as you were saying, that like would be perhaps communication, or as you were saying, Scott, you know, that, um, that there's this sort of breakdown in communication between the father and the, the elder son, and, and perhaps to some extent the younger son, you know. Uh, we don't really, we're not told a great deal of information, which just sort of the, uh, the brief outline, but uh, within that you would imagine that... Um, had there been a closer connection with the father or closer contact, perhaps the, the elder son might not have felt so rejected by his dad and, and, and bitter about the uh, and bitter about the, um, the unfairness of, of the way his younger brother was being treated. And perhaps the younger brother might have um, developed or had some insight or wisdom about what, what he was going to do with the with with his share of the estate, mm. yeah. So yeah, so miscommunication from both because Monohoy, the the younger son is bubbling, the communication is bubbling, and Borofoa explosion. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, one one thing I've heard about this particular parable um, was uh, that the. The atmosphere in the house might have been quite oppressive, or something along those lines. So the younger son just couldn't deal with the the, the, the sort of um, restrictions, sort of restrictions, and just needed to get out and 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 uh, and live life outside of that quite sort of contained environment. And and um, you know that was his that was his choice, that was his path to do that. But then again, that sort of that does speak about dysfunction doesn't it the the uh the, the sort of um the difficulties that they mm. were all as these three three men living in the house to, together that they had and one thing i think about this passage also is the absence of mum you know where is where's where's uh, uh where are the boy's mother and is that a part of the reason why there's an atmosphere and that uh, actually there's a big loss there we don't know what's happened perhaps she Perhaps she died, or perhaps she walked out of the marriage, or we, we don't really know. But I, I would think that that's a contrib- sort of, potential contribution. Yeah, yeah. You get um, some clues. This this story comes to life even more once you learn some of the cultural mm-hmm. aspects of the time frame that he's telling the story. Um, but one of the things that um, really shocked me when I first. Um, heard it preached um, and did some study on it was the younger son saying, I want my inheritance now is basically saying, I want you dead um, father. And um, that's dysfunction right there is basically saying, I want, and that would, that would not have just would not have been done. And that in that culture, you don't, that's more than disrespectful. So um, from that side, he's acting shamefully just by asking the question, um, it's it's actually kind of a um, amazing thought that a father would agree to this, 
Um, and so he sends it out. Then when you think of the older son, um, <laughs> the thing that, that always kind of got me when, if we're talking about dysfunction is, um, we don't, we aren't told that the, the, the older son knows anything about what the younger son has been doing. But when he talks to his father, the older son says, you know, he's gone out and he's partied and he's had prostitutes and, you know, he just squandered all your money. And so that's a very judgmental statement for, he doesn't know why the brother came back yet. He didn't even know he was back until just now, but he assumed. And so when you, when you think that way, then maybe that's how they felt all the time. Like, that brother's not responsible. That brother's nothing like me. Um, and so you have that dysfunction. They just, they don't appreciate each other much. Thank you. Don't know about this, uh, Scott. And I don't have that clue as a uh, dysfunction because he, when he uses this son of yours, it's mm-hmm. quite important because here he's mm-hmm. vexed. This guy is angry. You don't say, oh, this son of yours in a light manner. The son of it, you can see the drama, the anger, the vex, the the fury. And when he uses this, he's saying, this is not my brother, or I'm not your family. So this dysfunction clue has come. So so let's talk about the separation. Uh, separation, Mati. So let's explore the separation. I would, I would say that the younger son has chosen the separation and decided he just doesn't want to live the way he has been living under the house, whatever whatever was happening there. Um, and, and most likely the older son seems to have some form of like emotional separation from the father because um, they're not connecting well. Uh, but then you see, like, my favorite part of the whole story is the father... The father is looking out the window every day, waiting for the son to come home. Like he's, he feels the separation, and when he sees the son, he runs out to him because he does. He's he's so excited that the separation has has ended. And the thing that I just really notice is that, um, like he's prepared, like the younger son, he's prepared this speech, and like you know, like he's been. And what what can I say? Sinta Jose, Sinta Jose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So, but yeah, he doesn't even get a chance to say it. Like, his father has already embraced him, he has already forgiven him before he even gets to say it. It's like, um, yeah, I think that, that that kind of really, really stands out and, like, extravagantly um, gives to him. Um, and he comes to his senses on the separation. Uh, yeah. It's so. interesting, so extravagance, isn't it? And, uh, and, and, and the, it's, sort of, it's um, extravagant with... With grace, with love, with mm. um, wanting to uh, uh, be gracious to his son. Yeah, I've always, I up until um, like maybe four or five years ago, I'd always thought prodigal meant something about repentance, like just turning around. Um, but actually, the word prodigal, as it's used as a title, just means excess. Mm-hmm. And so you have excess, as, as Alice was saying earlier, you have excess on the the separation and the division side, but you have excess in the way that, that the father is acting as, as the son has come to his senses and wanted to come back. What happens? The father runs out to him as the older son, maybe not coming to his senses, but is upset. What you see the same thing. The father goes to him. Mm-hmm. doesn't just leave him alone. Mm-hmm. He's he, the father is working towards 
towards our reconciliation, not the yeah. not the separation that has existed. Yeah. I remember hearing this as well, like retold, and I guess maybe for for our culture and how yeah how like a son similarly had like I don't know I think stolen money and gone away, and then and then finally he was backing up courage to come back and wrote to his father and said if you're happy for me to come back, can you just, like, wave a handkerchief, like a white handkerchief kind of thing, like, outside the house? And then, like, when he turned the corner, he was almost blinded because the whole house was covered in white. Mm-hmm. And and that and that was just, like, another really beautiful way of... It's yeah, like extravagancy, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. just... Yeah, yeah that's, that's quite a moving image. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So reconciliation is ha- happening in this, uh, with... Repentance, because uh, the son is saying, "I've done wrong." Father accepts him, and there's a there's a happy ending, but not quite a happy ending. There's a there's the older son who is very mad. Mm. Um, but for me, I think it's still the thing that he doesn't even deserve it. Like it's not that he kind of because he's repent his repentance, the fact that he was sorry, like like he didn't even get a chance to utter that. It's like um, we can't, yeah, we can't somehow earn God's favour in any way. Because um, he tries to do that. Yeah, he does. He, so, his heart has changed. Yeah, his heart has changed. But he, but he hasn't even expressed that yet. <laughs> and the thing that, um, again, with the cultural aspect that um, I wouldn't have thought of until somebody shared it with me was the fact that he would have run to his son mm. and and hiked up his his robe or the longi um, yeah there you go um, that that would be a very shameful act for yeah. a man in his position to do but um, he didn't care about that he just cared about the son and didn't give him a chance to go through the whole spiel about I'll become your servant he's like oh. no and he and he oh. puts his robe around him and he says no this is my son I'm claiming you again just in case you don't realize here's the ring that shows you're my family and we're going to party tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those things certainly undeserved, completely undeserved, mm-hmm. but the father was, was waiting at the window for the chance to do it. And uh, I'm just going to close with a final thought of exploration. Then after that, we'll say, uh, the bad. Um, this is a Christmas episode and we've talked about home alone and um, the prodigal son by the way, Jesus said, uh, shared this story, and there's also a context to the parable. But we won't go to, uh, exploring it now, but reconciliation and there was hostility or brokenness, there's coming together. And uh, Jesus shares this parable, and at Christmas, any one or two Christmas thoughts in 30, 40 seconds of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And for some, it used to be for me, and it's not necessarily wrong, I like, Home Alone, Christmas, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Snowman, Snowman on Channel 4, yes. uh, but that's it, and Christmas is done for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Christmas is more than Home Alone, uh, and even though Home Alone is nice, is there's a reconciliation message. Do, do we have any quick th- thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, for me, um, my favourite Christmas passage is comes from the Gospel of John, where it says, um, the Word became flesh to dwell among us. And speaking of Jesus, um, coming down in the flesh, um, seeking reconciliation. He's, he's coming to 
all of us who are the the excessive sons who have left him um, coming to his creation and we we fight against him all the time and yet rather than leave us be god comes to us so that we can know who he is and he can reconcile us we can come back to that right relationship and um, none of that happens without christmas and uh, we'll close now thank you for coming guys and thank you for listening and we hope you have a a great Christmas and a happy new year and we hope to do some more back by the conversations. Thank you for listening.